This week on Art of the Air, we feature artist David Kreiner, who is focused on his music with his August release of his second CD, North American. Next, Harvard, Michigan gallery owner Judith Reck, discussing her Outsiders Outside Art Fair on Labor Day weekend. Our spotlight is on Tom Foolery Fun Club's Hoosier Palooza at Whiting's Hoosier Theater on August 26th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself to art. And show the world. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, WVLP 103.1 FM, and WDSO 88.3 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Also heard on Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on WDSO 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Media. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome to Art on the Air Spotlight. We've had them on here before from the Tom Furley Fun Club, and they have kind of a new adventure. They're getting a new alliance with the Hoosier Theater. But we also have a specific event coming up on August 26th, the Hoosier Palooza and everything. We have Tom Bilek and, of course, the wonderful power behind the throne, Miss Michelle. Welcome to Art on the Air Spotlight. Aloha. Hello. Hi, Larry. Hi, Esther. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. Every time I see your name come up, it makes me smile. So thank you for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, this whole, and you, I know we talk offline, the whole Hoosier Theater. I know you've kind of done stuff there before, but now you have a kind of a whole new relationship at the Hoosier Theater. Yes, this has been a, a project really years in the making. Um, you know, Michelle and I have been pursuing uh John Catrus, the owner of the Hoosier Theater, really for many years, we formed a relationship with him about seven years ago, and we staged some tomfoolery events in 2016, 2017, and we took a little bit of a break, uh, worldwide pandemic kind of got in the way, but uh, now the relationship's kind of taken on a, a new flair with the emergence of a not-for-profit organization called the Friends of the Hoosier Theater, who is interested in leasing the theater upon John's retirement next year. A city of Whiting is behind the project, and we've been enlisted. Uh, Tom Fullery's been enlisted to to stage some live events over the next six months to to rebrand and help with the, the reimagination of the venue. So, are you kind of be doing what uh, Larry Breckner did sometime, and kind of doing some facility management or at least the, uh, facility programming? 
Well, we're going to we're certainly give it our best effort. You know, the uh, the idea right now is a stage one event per month. And then when the uh, the venue makes a transition to um, the, the Friends of the Hoosier Theater next year, uh, we do hope to be involved in stage, not just tomfoolery events, but uh, a plethora of different types of events, um, music, uh, stage plays, educational programming, uh, many, many things that we have uh, in mind. So Tom or Michelle, so would you consider that then? Is it going to segue into a permanent home or will you still be doing tomfoolery around the region? Well, I think that, you know, we have found a couple of really sweet little spots that we like to perform at, like the Roxy in Lockport. And that's a really a whole different demographics being, you know, different um, location totally across state lines in Illinois. So I think we're going to keep um, keep some of those venues still in our in our wheelhouse just to make sure that we're able to you know, have events at different venues that have a whole different audience for us. Still in Michigan City? Still uh, going to stick with the Oric yep. here? Yeah. In fact, we just reached out again to the Oric Shriners about um, our annual event there. We normally stage an event in February, and uh, we look forward to going back there. And as Michelle said, Roxy Theater in Lockport's been a great spot for us. So we want to continue to travel around. But at the same time, it would be nice to have a permanent home for Tom Fulry so people know how to find us and, and maybe just know what to expect when they come see us. Now, I see the Hobart Theater, you know, they've really, you know, the Hobart Art Theater, they've really kind of done it. Is that something kind of like the vision you're looking for eventually is to, I mean, they have stuff, I think, every weekend, you know, concerts and everything. But the variety, is that kind of what you're looking to do is move it to that type of uh, venue? Similar, uh, Larry, uh, you know, Shane Evans at the Art Theater in Hobart's done a great job of uh, repurposing that old movie house and uh, staging, you know, live events. Uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly uh, if our, if the Hoosier Theater will be, exactly like that um you know we i think we'd like to do a few more different types of offerings more of a diverse uh lineup of talent but again ultimately the market determines what uh, uh what types of shows will really succeed so we'll see what happens yeah that's true you and i talked about too uh, about the equipment of the theater it's it's really set up still more as a movie house but uh you are looking probably to i would assume fundraise to maybe start upgrading sound system and uh, lighting for a system. So is that process something going to, is that something going to be getting? Absolutely. Uh, you know, right now when we do shows there, we import lights and sound uh, and uh, that can be, uh, it's effective, but it can be a little cumbersome. It'd be nice to have that light switch type of a setup where you just come in and flip the switch and go. So it, that definitely will require a bit of fundraising, but beyond that, I mean, the venue itself is in fabulous condition. Um, it's going to be a hundred years old next year. Um, it's got a, you know, the first stage and, uh, and things along those lines, the acoustics in the venue are absolutely spectacular. Um, but the one thing that is missing right now is a permanent light and sound system, but we'll get there. Yes. As we're building that project, we are, um, going to have a fabulous event coming up in August, August 26th at the Hoosier theater. Can you tell us about the lineup? Sure, it's going to be a little different, right? We're going to have, instead of being really heavy on the comedy, we're going to be a little bit heavier on the music. So we're going to have a um, one comedian in two bands. So one of the bands is going to be Flamingo Hayes. They have some really awesome videos on YouTube. You should check them out there. Capital is the other band. Uh, so this is a little bit different type of a uh, presentation for Tom Foolery. Normally our, our crowds are uh, 40 and up. Uh, we have you know, more traditional uh, stand-up comedians and music to match that age group. 
but with this Hoosier, Hoosier Theater Project, uh, we want to be able to bring in diverse audiences as well. So uh, we're trying to appeal to a slightly younger demographic, and alternative rock is certainly one way to do that. So we uh, sort of a takeoff on Lollapalooza and, and that genre of music to bring in two alternative rock bands, local bands, but extremely talented with a lot of original music, and then splash in a little light uh, comedy because it wouldn't be a tomfoolery event with a little bit of uh, a little bit of funny. In our last few seconds here, please tell us the dates, times, tickets availability, and such. Sure. Hoosier Theater, August 26th, 2023 at 8 p.m. The show starts. We also have Mike Stricker as our comedian. And Fair. tickets available are at tomfooleryfunclub.com that's tomfooleryfunclub.com and there you go there we have Tom Bialak and of course wonderful Miss Michelle Hoosier Theater August 26th 8pm thank you for coming on Art in the Air Spotlight thanks Larry thank, thank you. you thank you Art in the Air Spotlight and the complete one hour program on Lakeshore Public Media is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso Olga Patrician Senior Broker You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media 89.1 FM on WVLP 103.1 FM and WDSO 88.3 FM. We would like to welcome back David Kreiner to Art on the Air. David knew from a young age that he was an artist, talented in both visual and the musical. He has a new just released CD called North American. Recently, he has added storytelling and filmmaking to his art practice. Thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome, David. Hi, good to see you. Hi, hi, glad to be back. Well, glad to have you in uh, for our audiences is listening uh, we had a previous interview with him on april 4 2020 you can just go see our show archive on our website or at lakeshore public media and then get it there so so david we're gonna kind of uh since we already talked about your history in the previous interview i guess the first question is you know now you're doing music i know you had sun cycle that was previously released and uh, your new cd which will be released on uh, august 9th and uh, the show is airing on august 18th the first question i have for you is how does your visual arts inform your your music and everything and also the video production like it's kind of a whole new phase for you so talk about that yeah so um in the past i've worked primarily as an abstract painter and um my music in a way i see it as a, a continuation of that um i i almost see it as like painting with sound and when i create a, a song or a composition I um, I usually just start out with something that kind of comes to me naturally and then build off of it which is the same way I uh, would have worked uh, creating a painting so where does a musical composition start oh every now and then uh, you know my my hand starts doing something with the guitar and some sounds start coming out and I repeat it a whole bunch of times and before I know it something grows out of that and um, then I realize hey I've got a new song here and uh, and then I just have to develop it uh, which might take another uh, few weeks or maybe even longer. So is it almost like so you've got that first bit you're just messing about um so does it always start with the guitar or do you hear something in your head are you humming something and go oh and then go back to the guitar or is it solely just starting with the guitar it always starts with the instrument yeah the instrument has to be in my hands for uh something tangible to happen 
So let's talk about the process. We've talked about the creation of the music, but let's get down to some of the nuts and bolts of it. Do you record eventually like at your own place or do you eventually go into a studio? Do you have your own studio? What is your process for actually making the product itself? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. So as I'm initially developing a, a song or a track, I'll uh, make some rough recordings on my own just using a handheld device. Usually I do that just so I can um, remember the song and um, keep track of how it's developing. But then eventually, um, yeah, I've been going into a a studio lately, uh, Taxi Recordings here in Chicago, which is owned by Clarence Frere. And uh, the last two albums I uh, recorded there. And you take your tracks in there as like a you know sample track, to then to have the engineer listen to it, and then kind of work through that. And say, okay, this is what I did on my own. Now let's process it and do whatever you need to do. No, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, I just usually I give him a call and I say, hey, I'm ready to uh, sit down with you in the studio, and so we'll reserve some time, and um, I do not approach him usually with any of the rough recordings. So what comes out is uh, usually quite a surprise to him. Um, And, you know, if we're lucky uh, and I'm on top of my game, I can get something down in a few tries and maybe not have to come back a second time. But then other times, you know, we've got to come back weeks later, months later, something like that. Try it again. Right. You know, working in a studio environment, you're on their clock, so to speak. So you have to be ready to go and everything, having run a small recording studio myself. So I understand that process. Yeah, it helps to be prepared. Your previous CD, let's let's kind of go back to that, which is a sort of a different sound. Describe how that CD came about and what's the difference between that and your new uh, album that's coming out uh, on August 9th, North American. Okay, so the album that came out, I guess, uh, around 2020, 2021, was called Sun Cycle. And in a way, I, I thought of that as maybe a little more of a continuation of my previous solo record, The Journey. Um, maybe in some ways it was more introspective. The new album, North American... Um, I almost feel like it's more eclectic than the previous music. And it draws on um, some traditional American music, almost Americana or blues. Um, and perhaps I even feel like I hear some uh, bluegrass or country even in some of the sounds um but then there are other tracks that i think are more ambient maybe is the word it's difficult for me it's kind of like um you know staring in a mirror and trying to describe myself to someone else (laughs) Uh, sometimes i i I, i'd almost rather hear what somebody else hears in the music because it's i I'm, i'm too close to it if that makes sense so with all those influences that you just spoke about, and I hear a bit of Appalachia almost as well. Out of that, Esther. Thank you. Is that what inspired the title North American? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, I think that there are numerous influences that might come from different parts of this continent. But then also I was kind of thinking of myself and my own history. I've lived on the East Coast, the West Coast, and several parts of the Midwest. And um, I feel like this new album includes more of those different parts of me or those experiences of those different locations than the other records did. One of the questions I have is naming. Now, with your visual work, sometimes coming up with a name that you give it and everything. So how does that also work with your music? The process that you say, uh, this is the piece that's done like a visual art. Now with your music, how do you come up with the name or is that kind of part of the mental thing as you're composing it? It's a similar process. And yeah, it really is a mental thing as I'm composing it more often than not a phrase or a word will come to me at some point as I'm, still developing the song and trying to lay down a, a rough uh, recording somewhere along there. Um, but other times, you know, it comes later. Other times, it might be months later, I realize I still haven't gotten a name for this thing and I have to kind of sit down and scratch my head or maybe even take out a pen and paper and start jotting down some thoughts. I think we should listen to maybe... When the wall comes crashing. So how did you, what inspired that name while we're talking about name inspiration? Well, it, um, in the, in the wintertime, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, leading up to January 6th, if we uh, remember that date still. And then I finished it right after uh, the January 6th storming of the Capitol. Um, most of my songs are, are a little different in uh, regards that they are not as topical as, as when the walls come crashing. Um, I guess this one is uh, one of the exceptions. Well, let's take a listen to this from the uh, North American album uh, being released August 9th. The song is When the Walls Come Crashing. Thank you. 
from the new CD released on August 9th and uh, it's from North American album that was when the walls come crashing in David Kreiner so starts out one way and then goes in a completely different direction <laughs> so uh, you obviously had the inspiration like you said where do you draw your inspiration for your music is it from internal or external things that happen things that happen in your life uh, so tell us about how the the germ starts that creates the music well sometimes like uh, in the case of the song that we just listened to, uh, the germ does start with uh, an event or some sort of circumstance. And I have had a, a few other songs that also uh, got their start that way. Um, but other times it's much harder to kind of locate the origin or the uh, reason for the song being created. Um, other times it's maybe... Uh, I want to say more um, akin to pinning down a dream or maybe it's more about an idea, um, something that comes to mind. I had a song uh, on the last album. Actually, it's on this album. Excuse me. I have a song on this album called Anahata, uh, which means 
heart chakra, um, which is something that I've been studying, um, yoga traditions, that kind of thing. So sometimes the songs relate in some way to my interests or leanings, but might not uh, stem from a, an actual specific event. So then when did storytelling and spoken word become um, incorporated? What part of your life or what were you doing when you decided to branch off into, and also the filmmaking, because that sort of, it all ties in. You've got the songs and then you're developing the films for them yourself, I think, right? So what time frame did that all occur? Started, yeah, let me see how to answer that. I, I started um, making music videos really, um, you know, almost maybe a decade and a half ago when I was part of a band called Forbidden Planet. And um, we started putting together um, footage. Most of it was kind of stock footage from the Internet and assembling something that would serve as a backdrop for some of our concerts or performances, um, something that would be projected on a screen uh, behind us as we played. Uh, and then several years later, I started working with some of that old footage again and made um, shorter videos um, for specific songs from Forbidden Planet. Um, and so then I think it was just sort of a natural course of events when I started making videos for my solo music and um, most of the videos I've done on my own um, but a few of them I did in collaboration with another artist uh, Kirk Markarian um, he and I did a an EP together um, during COVID and we came up with videos for uh, that set of tracks um, and then the spoken word it really kind of evolved out of making the videos, I think, um, because the spoken word uh, material created, it all has a visual element as well. So there might be a recording of me speaking, some kind of uh, narrative usually, uh, but then I always take some time to create uh, visuals that go with it. And I first started working in that kind of way with the spoken word. Oh, I want to say maybe about two years ago or so, um, I started coming up with some ideas that in my own mind were a little more um, comedic and uh, less serious maybe than uh, the music. Can you share a story with us, David? Well, I could. Um it's not a very comedic one, though. Is that going to be all right? I think it'll be all right. This is actually a, a more recent um, story that I've come up with. And, and I haven't even made a recording of it yet, but it, it could become one. Okay, ready when you are. Yesterday, as my dog and I were walking, we came to a bridge. I noticed a long piece of thick rope that was tied to the railing that was on top to keep people from falling into the river below. Next to the rope stood a man who appeared to be about 20 or 22 years old. 
Is that your rope? I asked. Are you going to climb on it? The man did not look at me, but kept staring down and away toward the water below. I might, he said. My dog and I nestled closer to the edge, where she was able to put her nose underneath the railing and watch the water and trees that moved in the wind. The water looked dirty as it moved toward the bridge. I thought about speaking again as I watched the man and the trees and the sky overhead. The air was clear and cold, but not too cold. My dog's nose, I noticed, was twitching. What do you see? I asked her. The man next to the rope was looking out now, too. Yes, he was tall, and like I said, about 20 or 22. I thought again about saying something as the wind pushed through the leaves, making everything quiet. The clouds appeared long overhead as they moved, and then I saw the man put his hands around the rope, and he started to untie it. My dog went toward the man, and I said, She's friendly. As my dog pointed her face toward him, I watched him put his hand on her head, like a person who hasn't spent much time around dogs. He finished coiling the rope, turned his back, and headed off of the bridge that led to a gravel path and disappeared into the woods. Excellent. That's uh, beautiful. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, you know, we're just about ready to wrap up here. Our time goes pretty fast, and I think we'll play out with a little bit of uh, your other part on the new album, uh, New Day, but why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, I've already said uh, August 9th, but tell us about how people can find your music with a release, uh, information about you, and uh, any events you have coming up in your life. Okay. My music, um, which is going to be released, uh, can be found on uh, all the usual music platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, etc. And then the CD uh, version is coming out soon too. If you want to uh, direct message me on Instagram, I can set you up with a CD. Um, otherwise, you can order one through my website at davidkreiner.com. And I do have, yeah, a couple of shows coming up. On uh, this Sunday, I'm playing the Logan Square Farmers Market in Chicago. Uh, in the morning from 9 to 11. And then uh, the same day, in the evening, I'm going to be playing with several other artists at the Annoyance Theater, also in Chicago. Do you have anything going on uh, after the weekend, like 18th and later into the um, month? I will be, but I don't know exactly what it is yet. Okay. Very good. Well, we'll have to wrap it there. We're going to play out with a new day. Uh, that's David Kreiner. His CD released on August 9th, so you can already hear it. It's available on all multiple platforms. You can also find him at davidkreiner.com. And also, if you go to our Facebook page and on our uh, website for Art in the Air, there'll be a link to take you to his site. David, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your music. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, David. Thank you very much. Hi, this is singer-songwriter Kenny White, 
and you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and on WVLP 103.1 FM. We would like to welcome Judith Rack to Art on the Air. Judith has been the owner of the Judith Rack Gallery in Harbert, Michigan for 38 years, showing contemporary and outsider art, as well as featuring mid-century modern furniture and various objects of interest. Judith has held the Outsiders Outside Art Fair, which is a celebration of visionary folk and outsider art in late summer. This upcoming art fair will be the 27th occurrence. Thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome, Judith. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, we like having you, Judith. And our audience always wants to know a little bit about our guest's background and everything like that, where you grew up. I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us all about Judith. All right. Well, I didn't grow up in one place. I grew up in a lot of places. My dad was in retail sales, and he would go and start, um, start a store up. You know, he laid it all out and did all that. and then. As soon as he got done laying it out, then we moved. I was in three schools in one year. So I lived in Washington, D.C. And when we were there, my mother took us to all the museums and the Smithsonian and the Easter egg roll in the White House lawn. And that's when they used real eggs. And it was a stinky mess. (laughs) But anyway... Then, uh, you know, we went to Louisville, Kentucky and Dayton, Ohio, and and we just moved all over the place. So I was always the new kid, and I was always looking at things. You know, when when we were in the South, there were so many things to see, and when we went North, there was snow, and <laughs> that was a real, real exciting time. And anyway, so when we got to... The only small town we were ever in was Niles, Michigan. And when we got there, my sister was ready to graduate or go to high school. And my dad changed jobs so she could graduate from one school. So in Niles, Michigan, there came a young family, Sean and Kay Wilson. And he was a print and drawing dealer. He took his inventory all over the country to every major museum and and he sold prints and drawings to them and I was the babysitter so Mm. yeah so their children um, were little and John decided he'd start his own business and he he bought online um catalog resumes and he didn't realize they were in French and German and those were the languages I was taking in school so with my little dictionaries I'd say to him this Goya is from the seventh state it's on blue paper blah 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 and before I knew it I was graduated from the babysitter to the curator (laughs) (laughs) John went to uh, a show called Wash Art, and he came home, and he had looked at Kay and, and myself, and he said, "You know, I think we can do that better." And he did. He went to Chicago, and he started the Chicago International Art Exposition at Navy Pier, and it was a hit 
from the very beginning, we had 40,000 people that first year, and it only grew. And so um, I guess I come to doing, I always called Don the Barnum and Bailey of the art world, and I guess I kind of inherited his genes by osmosis because when I started my gallery, I started doing this outsider art fair. And the reason I started doing it is because I never wanted, you know, antiques like oak tables and things. I always looked for things that people did by hand. And sometimes they were goofy and crazy, but I loved them. And so um, I started to do, you know, people would come in and say, where's that stuff that you collect? And I said to them, what stuff? And they said, you know, that outsider stuff. And I never really considered it outsider, but I guess it was. And so downstairs, I kept the, the outsider stuff. And people loved it. So I decided I would do um, an, an expo myself. And I tried to stop doing it a few years ago because it's so much work getting the tents and and getting the dealers and the people and, and the advertising and, you know, on and on. And I just had a little staff. But my customers loved it and my customers are the best so I I continue to do it for them and, uh, and for my dealers um, my dealers say to me I love coming to this show and I say why and they say because your customers are the best and they are the best some of them I've had for 38 years and now I have their children and their grandchildren. And it's, it's a love fest. I mean, it really has taken on a life of its own. So Judith, being exposed to the Wilsons, you were exposed to a lot of printmaking and ceramics. And so when you ventured off on your own, did it start with The Outsider or was it contemporary art? Or what were those beginnings? Um, it was contemporary art. But I had things that I owned that were outsider things, like a chair that somebody had made, and it was really spectacular. And somebody came in and said, I want that painting and that chair. And I said to them, well, the painting is for sale, but the chair is mine. And they said, I want that painting and that chair. And so I said, okay. My children came, and they said, where about the furniture go, Mom? <laughs> so it kind of organically grew. Yes, it did. And really, Lakeside in this area is a special area. People really care about their neighbors. And right around the corner for me is Cafe Gulistan. And, you know, they've given Abraham so much trouble all the years for... In fact, for one year, they put him in jail. And we all went and signed the Vic petitions. And um, it's really a, a close-knit 
and diverse neighborhoods. We we really support each other, and I feel like like I've been supported all these years by my neighbors and my friends. You know, an article I read it's called "A Century Old Barn Gets a New Life," and it's about how it was refurbished. Can you tell us that story? I think that's very interesting, how a whole thing grew, a uh, deeply held belief that you want to make something work. Yes, well, I always want to leave something better than the way I found it. I want to leave this world better than I found it. And so um, we moved into the farm, and it had a really old house on it. and had a really old barn in it. And the barn was so much more interesting than the house. And so we we got these, um, well, first I had the Amish guys come in and put a new roof on it. And I I went and talked to so many roofers, and they said $40,000, $60,000, $80,000. And finally I went to um, the Amish community, and I said, um, what would you charge to put on the roof? And I'll never forget, it was snowing, big wet flakes of snow, because it was a spring snow. And the guy came home with me, and we were out there measuring the barn. And he said, call me tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and I'll tell you how much it'll cost. And so at 4 o'clock, I called him on this number, and he said, $4,500. And I said, sold. And so he and his guys came. I had to pick them up every day and bring them home every day. But it was well worth it. And I've never seen three guys work so hard. And in three days, they had it all done. And it was just incredible. So then I got, well, it was a while later, and we found this group that were wonderful. And they came and they drew up plans. It was Northworks Architects from Chicago. And they drew up plans and we the farm, we raised the house, and we we made the barn into a house. And it's really special. Uh, people combine, drive in the driveway and look and stop. And, and uh, it's so much I had to put up some bushes and things so you can <laughs> see it so much from the, from the street. But it was really... Um, niche design builders did the the work on the barn, and you know we got along so beautifully. The architects and the builders, and I, we just had this communication that was so easy to work with. You know, you hear horror stories about architects and builders. It was such a labor of love for all of us that it just worked out beautifully. And those people are still my friends. I had dinner with the 
with the Nitzes the other night. And, you know, um, House did, a, did an article on the barn. They called it Saving Grace. And <laughs> I certainly feel like that was it. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, on WVLP, 103.1 FM, and WDSO, 88.3 FM. You have inside, you know, you say like a barn, but it actually is very modern conveniences while retaining some of the rustic things with the beams and everything. And yet it is a modern living and space. So tell us a little bit about the interior, like furniture and things and how you made that into what it is today. Well, it's not rustic. A mixture of everything that I love. Um, it's mid-century modern. It's antiques. It's a little of everything. And um, I've seen barns where people just put rustic stuff in them. And, and you know, that's all right. But I just felt like I wanted it to... We, we talked about putting drywall in. But then I didn't want to paint. You know, I didn't want to have to paint. And with the barn, it's all wood, and so I don't have to paint. I just I just dust down the wood, and that's it. So, um, but we do have, and this is really, we do have a swimming pool in the basement. <laughs> oh, and, my gosh. And, uh. That sounds like a we, wonderful thing to have in your basement. Yeah. And we put up, we tried to make it green. So we put up a, a garage, not realizing that we had to put the garage behind the house. So we had to attach it to the house. And so we put um, a walkway there with a roof. And so that has solar panels on it. And then... We went and we found this guy who did a windmill for us. So back in the back, there's a big windmill. So we tried to be really green. Did I read you have an elevator? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that was silly, but I have Parkinson's now. And it really comes in handy. So, you know, um, life has been changing very much for me but I have a staff now who make me look good um, <laughs> they take care of me and and um, you know they do all the work I just sit here and point so in the gallery Judith and I'm going to go back many many years there was one exhibit and I want to say more than 20 years ago with um Frank Stella? Is that from your personal collection? No, a client of mine had this wonderful collection and he was selling some of it and he gave it to me to sell for yeah, him. Yeah, I think there was like a Liechtenstein and the Stella and a few others. It was They were gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm really lucky I have these clients, like one client um, would go to New York and bid on and have a New York gallery bid on things for him and they took 10%, you know, to do that. And I said, 
I can go and get for you. And he <laughs> said, really? And I said, sure, just pay for my expenses, and I'd love to do it. So I got to go and bid at Christie's. And the first night, he wanted a drawing by this really incredible artist. And I said, just nudge me when you want to bid. And he nudged me, and I said, not yet. He nudged me, and I said, not yet. And then toward the end, I said, okay, you want to bid now? And the thing was at $550,000. And I thought he was going to say no. But he said, yes, I put my pedal up once, and we got it. Wow. And he said, wow. how did you do that? And I said, you know, whether you're spending $5 or $550,000, when the bidding slows down and people are thinking about it, then that's when you bid. And you've had all this time to think about, you know, what you wanted to spend. So it was a Bryce Martin drawing, and we set the world's record for his drawing, you know, the top market. For his drawing. What was the theme of the drawing, I have to ask? Well, you <laughs> it was a pencil drawing and it was folded in in squares and then it was just a lead pencil all over these squares and that was it. Mm. It was really um minimalist. They were minimal minimalist collectors. And um, so he had a lot of artists that, oh, Jasper Johns and and uh, Stella and and he had they had a wonderful collection in their house in Chicago, and they had a little house out here. And he said to me once, "You know, I'm never going to buy any art from you." And I said. You're going to eat those words. And he did. <laughs> he ended up buying art for me. So, and like I said, um, I have these other clients that the man just passed away. And the, the woman, the wife called me. And I had just sold two paintings for them. And the husband and wife had just been in. And she came in the next day and said, Lee died. And so now I'll help her with her collections. Judith, after the Outsiders Outside Art Fair, what is your next show going to be? Well, you know, after the Outsiders show, summer is gone, is over. And I go down to two days a week. Saturday and Sunday. But this has been the busiest year since, oh, I don't know when this has been a really busy year. But, you know, I used to be the only game in town, and now Three Oaks has a lot of galleries, and, you know, there are lots of things going on. So I, after the Outsider Show, I just brought up things I liked and put them up as furniture I like and did sort of an interior show. And 
as things sold, I changed them. And uh, because it's not fair to an artist to give a show when there's might be ten feet of snow. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, Judith, we yeah. want to know a little bit of what happens. We have about a couple minutes left here about the Outsiders Outside Art Fair. Tell us uh, a little bit about what people can expect: uh, ticket prices, passes. What do you have? Like music, food, things. Just briefly tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they come. Well, get in. Opening night is Friday, September first. And that's $25. And that ticket gets you in all weekend. And I, people come back and forth because um, they go home and measure their walls and think about things. And and then they come back. And a lot of times it's gone when they come back. But sometimes it's not. So, um, and we have, we have um, food um, that's here. And it's the um, chef is Kim, and she has a food truck. And um, we also have a benefit for the Michiana Humane Society for all big animal lovers. And so they're regularly part of the, the benefit. And then um, for Saturday and Sunday, it's $10.00. Um, each day, and it's from 10 to 5, the hours are, and people, and I have big tents up, so if it rains, you don't get wet, and <laughs> the dealers don't get wet, and um, it seems to work very well, and last year at the opening, it rained, but that didn't seem to bother anybody, because we had the tents, and I put tables and chairs so people can sit and talk and have music. And And if you've waited all year to go to it, a little bit of rain is not going to stop you. Right. No. I had the story that this woman called me in January and said, are you having the outsider art fair? And I said, you know what? I said, call me in April, and I'll tell you. <laughs> and three weeks later, she called me again, and I said, she said, I want to get my plane tickets. She was from um, Portland or somewhere else there. And I said, oh, I suppose so. And she said to me, oh, good. She said, I, I have cancer. And she said, the doctor said, I didn't have long to live. So I'm giving myself these things to look forward to. And you're the first thing on my list. Well, Judith, that's a great story. I'm going to have to, unfortunately, end the interview. That's Judith Rack, the Outsiders Outside Art Fair, Labor Day weekend, September 1st, 2nd, 3rd this year. Uh, You can actually do just a Google search on Judith's name, Judith Rack, R-A-C-H-T, and find out information about her. Judith, thank you so much for sharing about your event and your uh, life story on Art on the Air. Thank you, Judith. Thank you. We'd like to thank our guest this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. 
Art on the Air is heard Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Art on the Air is also heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP, 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on WDSO, 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Media. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operation for Lakeshore Public Media, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Lakeshore Public Media, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And for WVLP, Walt Reitinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art in the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. You'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself through art, and show the world.